Welcome to the latest episode of the Avoiding Chores podcast. I am your host, Jim Sear, and we talk about outdoor recreation, focus on Atlantic Canada, and stuff that we do to avoid chores either at home or at work. I think I got a pretty good episode here for this week. I managed to get the boys in to do a couple of recording sessions. We'll talk about a few different things. And of course, we'll do our usual Q&As and various topics. And let's start off with a round of Q&As. These are comments that either got on the website, uh, avoidingchores.com or gps.training and also on YouTube. So basically, let's start here. Basically, they're on uh, the topic of Garmin. And uh, one comment here was about how the InReach uh, Mini is very hard to use as compared to some of the other Garmin InReach models. And basically, uh, the point is, yes, it is. So the Garmin Mini, InReach Mini, uh, it was really kind of an updated version. If you think back a couple years of that original DeLorme InReach or the Hockey Puck InReach, uh, there's no screen. This one, the Mini really just has a, a basic screen. And you're really supposed to pair it with one of the handful of compatible devices. So either with, uh, I believe it was with a Phoenix uh, hand, uh, with the watch. And on the handheld side, I think it was with the GPS map uh 66 and maybe 76 or 86 um yeah it's it's really not meant to be very used as a standalone it's really meant to be used in conjunction with a paired device via the bluetooth or ant or whatever they they did with it now i know i haven't had a lot of hands-on time with it but yeah it's 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 not the most intuitive uh device and i don't think really it's it sh- there should be UI interactions with it, to be quite honest, other than SOS and check-in, that kind of stuff. All right, moving on to uh, the next question here. I had a question here on, uh, on one of my Garmin Phoenix videos, which is how to download and install maps on this watch. And basically the question was, will it work on the basic Garmin 5X? The answer is no. And this was really funny. Uh, when the original Phoenix came out, this was a somebody figured out how to downsample a map from OpenStreetMap and uh, basically have it as a, as a grayscale or a black and white uh, map that you can load up. Now, I, I did a video, I showed you how to do this, and I actually did this and tried to use it. At the end of the day, uh, that original Garmin Phoenix watch, that map was absolutely not very usable. And I would tell people after I did the video, just don't bother with the map. Use your, your smartphone or whatever you need to do to look at the map. Now, subsequent versions, and I think they've uh, eliminated that capability in, the, I think, in the Phoenix 2. Definitely for Phoenix 3 because I couldn't do that anymore and so on. But you have uh, the Connect IQ store there's an app i forget the name of it there but and i think it's preloaded already nowadays uh it's the same one that i see on the map 66 uh so that one is meant for maps and then again i don't know if it's very useful to you but it's definitely you can't put uh maps on the latest uh, garmin phoenixes had another comment here on 
a hat sizing uh, on one of my Tilly hat videos. So actually, this is funny because I, I am trying to plan to do another Tilly hat video here in a, in a bit before it gets too, too warm. Uh, so one of the questions I had previously was, does the hat sizing vary between styles? And I had done a comment to say, well, actually, uh, one style of hat is just a smidge tighter than the other two that I have with that are all the same size. And it was like back and forth. And I was like, are you are you fitting it right? No, yes, it, it's fitted right. What I'm telling you is, it is a smidge like it's maybe a millimeter, two millimeters short, like tighter. Like it's. It's not something that I would have to go up a size for the style. Still keep the same size, but it just feels a little bit. Could also be the construction. You know, could be things after after a wash. It just you know it shrinks, right? It does, uh, as compared to some of the other styles. So, uh, but uh, the comment here uh, from the uh, Spaz Tech Warrior says here. He's a seven and a half or fitted for door and baseball hats, but he uh, sizes a seven and three quarters for all his Tilly hats, which is a big, big size up really when you come and think about it that way. Uh, and for me, I'm a seven three eighths. And like I said, I got three styles and I use the consistent sizing and that's pretty much what I go here. There's a little bit of give and that's the whole point with the, the Tilly hats here. Uh, another question here on uh, 4Runner30 was basically a virtual racer. How do you check run mileage during your run? Uh, this one a little bit more limited. So the virtual pacer is an additional data screen that you find on most Garmin watch versions. And basically it's just a little guy. And then let's say you set the pace or time or I think you can do it now against activity. And basically, you're running with a partner when you don't really have a partner. It's a virtual partner. And on the watch, you have two stick figures. And one of them is the watch or what the pace should be. And the other one is you. And typically, it gives you some feedback on how far back you are on your pace and that kind of stuff. So depending on the watch model, you there's two, two options. I believe you can't really customize that screen. However, you can auto-scroll. So when you're in the 2 and the 600, 900 series of watches, you can have it scroll through different screens. Virtual Pacer is one of them. Heart Rate's another one. And then you get to usual data field screen. So you can set up the auto scroll to flip back <clears throat> towards uh, your, your distance. So you may, may want to, when you do auto scroll, you may want to reduce the amount of fields so that it's very clear when you're, when you're gazing on it. You're getting the right type of feedback. And I know for me, I used to have it on medium pace. And I would only have maybe two fields, but I would have a couple fields. So anytime I would just flick my wrist to see what's going on, it's nice big numbers to tell me what I'm at. Time, distance, heart rate, pace, you know, whatever it was based on the type of training I was doing. So uh, this question here was on the Forerunner 35. It may, may not be possible to do the scroll. I don't think it's possible to do the scroll on those low-end um, watches. So anyway, that is it for Q&A for this week. And again, if you have any questions on some Garmin models, be sure to go to the anchor.fm slash avoiding chores. There's a little leave message kind of box. And if you leave a message there or one of the videos, I'll uh, directly address it.
Avoiding chores, segment number one, uh, which is the big thing that had been happening this week. Man, we had a stressful household here on Sunday. Like I've been mentioning in the last uh, couple episodes, uh, as things are starting to relax here in Nova Scotia, obviously one of the big things that everybody has their eye on is where can I go to get the frick out of the house? I spent basically four months in the house. I need to go somewhere. Tell me where I can go. Campgrounds is pretty much the staycation of the year for a lot of people. And this week, a lot of people were jamming the provincial campground websites because they were opening up for reservations on Monday. Like I said in the last few episodes, uh, the Kejimukujik, which would be a good chunk of the provincial camping on the federal or the national park side of things, they weren't taking anybody this year. So there's, there's going to be a little bit more competition with sites and dates. And I know for us on the Sunday, we had a very vigorous uh, discussion here about when and where we're going. Of course, we got the little one so that, you know, we wanted specific sites and all that stuff. So what we ended up doing was uh, we basically uh, waited until Tuesday. So we had uh, basically a couple sites that we wanted to check out. And we we were lucky enough to, to do it. And basically how it did was from Monday to Thursday, they were staggering a number of uh, provincial campsites. And um, usually they would put in one or two of the more popular ones and then some of the more smaller ones. So, for example, on Monday, uh, you would have Ellenwood Lake, which is in the Yarmouth area, which I visited. looks nice, but it is a three-hour drive from here, from Halifax. Graves Island, which would be my preference. However, it doesn't have really anything for kids. And since the little one hasn't uh, uh, learned how to ride her bike without the training wheels this year, can't really do that. Uh, the Islands, which is a really urban kind of park in Shelburne, um, pretty on a rocky island. It's small. It, some people like it. I would pass on that, but... The good thing with the site, you can go and click the pictures and see what's going on. I just didn't like it. Thomas Riddell, which is the one that we were able to book some uh, some nights on. That is a total wilderness kind of experience with tenting and stuff. Uh, I like it. I love it. The sites are extra large and uh, it's perfect. And then there's Valley View, which is a very small 20-site uh, provincial campground on top of the one of the ridges of the Annapolis Valley. You get a beautiful view of the valley. But again, there's really nothing for kids or anything like that. So that would be one that I would probably check on if I would do a solo truck camping uh, session later on. So on Tuesday was the was our big day here. So we had Bloomington, which is in the Annapolis Valley, very close to wineries and just more closer to stuff for the kids. So we were able to book a few nights there. Uh, the other sites were like Lori, which is just outside of Halifax. They rejigged the sites a number of years ago, but they made it as a self-reservation site. So, you know, it really makes me wonder how they're going to handle the rules this year because uh, not all these provincial campgrounds have people there to make sure that there's no visitors because that is one of the rules. No visitors, no out-of-province. It's basically locals. Uh, Porter's Lake, which is a big one. Rizzer's Beach, which I've been at and uh, I've been trying to get a site there for I don't know how many years. It's just really, really tough to get a site there. Smiley's, which is another site. No cell phone reception. It's also self-registration. Don't know how that works. 
and then of course Wednesday we had June 10th we had Amershore which is super popular Cape Chenecto they've closed out a lot of the backcountry cabins and tent sites so for people who wanted to do their three four days deep deep in the woods you can't do that Caribou Monroe Islands you know just right next to the uh, PEI ferry uh, that books up pretty quick pretty nice spot Dollar Lakes is another popular site Five Islands which is not far from Cape Chenecto that's on my list too but that is a very interesting site that is really split into two you have the lower, it's on the side of a mountain. So you get the the bottom of the mountain, which is basically pull through RV. So if you have a trailer, you just pull through and all the sites have been reconfigured just for that purpose. Very nice. And then on the side of the mountain, you literally go up a mountain. It's, it's funny how it's laid out, are all the tenting sites. And that's where I went, I think, last year. Is it last year? To uh, to do some uh, some camp in there. So that was that was nice. And then yesterday it was the big one for uh, last one for a lot of people. Battery in Cape Breton, Boylston, uh, Salzman, which is kind of in Guysboro County, Myra River, which is a big one for the locals in Cape Breton, and the one that I like to go to, try to go to, which is Wicakama, uh, which is, that is also a self registration site. They also is the campground only campground in the, in the provincial system that has the yurts, and I believe the yurts are not open this year. So, but you do have a some nice tent sites uh, going on there. So I quickly had a quick discussion uh, with Keith. You know Keith from the Friday Night Hangouts. And uh, we just quickly talked about some camping. Doing up our summer vacation plans here. So we did. A, so we have, I think we have seven nights of camping spread out uh, at the end of this month. And then we have uh, the other days spread out in end of July, August, whatever. Obviously, it's either Blomidin or Thomas Waddell. So, you know, it's, for us, it's pretty easy. But then we said, oh, well, you know, like there could be some long weekends or something that we can do to do hotels. Yeah, that's you what we're know? thinking of doing. Maybe getting like a housekeeping cabin or, a, you know, something like that for a couple of nights somewhere. I mean, once the hotels start to open up or, or cabins or stuff like that, I mean, it's really hard not to take that because... Well, that's just it. I mean, you can rent them now. They're for, I was checking online pretty well. All of them are available for rent, like housekeeping, like Liscombe Lodge is open and quite a few places in Cape Breton are open. Yeah, hmm. so I, I'll be more apt to take that up than, and then, you know, than try to get something a little bit farther away. So, you know, may, maybe this year the staycation is really in effect. Yeah, well, I just, that's, we might go to Cape Breton. I haven't been to Cape Breton in years. Chris has only been once. The kids have never been. Cape Breton's beautiful, so, I mean. Well, it's funny. There was a point there. I was going every summer for, you know, for the geocaching stuff there. So it's just been a couple of years since I haven't been. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Last time I was there, I was hiking uh, Ushkaban Falls. And I and then once we were done, once I was done with the dog, I stopped at Big Spruce to get some growlers and some flights and back down so is that a good hike those falls yeah you know what it's it's pretty nice you know they were doing a little bit of work i think they had some of the trails last year closed they were doing some maintenance or whatever i think is open now so there's really two trails you got the one trail that goes out and back to the falls so that's about maybe a kilometer round trip maybe a kilometer and a half let's say let's put that two and then you had the other one that kind of follows the river, which is, I think, a three or four kilometer loop. So Nothing you do good. everything. 
Yeah, I mean, it's not bad, and it's it's a nice trail, so, you know, it's I, I do it again. I do it again. And by the time you get out there, you're like, holy moly, I am in the woods. <laughs> yeah, that sounds all right to me, though. Yeah, oh, no, I'm done with it. No, no. Now, any, any chance I can get down, and that's what Jennifer's saying, so, okay, now that we booked our camping night, so you're probably going to look to do some stuff solo. And I'm like... Yep. Yeah, I'm going to book tomorrow camping. I guess they had trouble with the site uh, today, but the reservations was down for a bit. Probably get cra crashed with. Well, it's funny. At Yesterday at 9 o'clock and one second, you know, I had everything all queued up waiting. And I hit the button to reserve to process. Everything started to freeze. And sites wasn't available, available, not available, this and that, and moving around. It's like, oh, my God. Finally, I got the days I wanted, but instead of getting there Saturday, get there on Sunday. So it was like all the weekend people go checking in on Friday, checking out on Sunday. Yeah. I was booking everything up. So if you do outside of that, so Sunday to Thursday or Sunday to Friday morning, you're you're good to go. That's what we're going to do, actually. Tomorrow. We're going to shoot for a couple of weekdays when we go camping. That's I'm hoping Salsman won't be too busy when I book there. But Yeah, no, like I said in the, the comments, I only went there once. And it's a nice little, like, island along the river. I mean, there's there's no, like, isolation. But there are a handful of sites that look pretty nice. There was one there that's in the corner, northern corner there, the end of the island. You have to get that. That's like Rockstar Park. And, and they did yeah. get a new comfort station built. Battery and salesman, yeah. that would be like truck camping spots. You know, you just park the truck, you pitch the tent in the back of the truck, and you're not moving for like a day or so. Like you got all your stuff for like a day or a day and a half, and – the busiest ones was in the system back in the day. It was Thomas Rodell, Graves, Blomingdon, and Amashore yeah. were the busiest ones in the system. And we're avoiding chores again from our discussion with Keith about camping reservations and stuff. That means I get a chance to haul out the Canvas Cabin, which is our Kodiak Canvas Cabin Tent. Uh, if you follow me on Instagram or Twitter, I've posted a pic uh, not too long ago. And it is, it is a glorious uh, 12 by 8 kind of canvas tent. Looks like a pioneer style kind of tent. Has a little uh, awning and all that kind of stuff. It's very nice. Uh, I mean, I've done a few videos on it. And uh, it's just a fantastic tent. Not easy to haul around, mind you, but... Uh, it is something that it is sturdy if weather turns uh, south, for example. But uh, we've always been trying to improve our camping situation and comfort. And now that we've booked our number of days here, I think it's seven or eight nights here for the next uh, couple months, uh, we have the tent to do that and also with that extra space. Then we're thinking how we can do that. And I kind of propositioned the missus and say, hey, you know what? How about this for you guys? Because right now, our sleeping arrangement in our tent, and, and even it could be smaller too, but still fit, uh, is that we have a queen-size Coleman air mattress that the girls sleep in, and then I have a regular-size Cabela's cot that goes on the side, 
works very well. I love sleeping in that cot. Just very comfortable and it's nice. It's easy to set up, put away, all that stuff. And then I was thinking, well, you know what? I wonder if the girls would like a cot too. So I, I saw something called the disco bed system when I was at Cabela's on Saturday. Because it's been a few months since I've been to Cabela's. I need to go and see what's on sale. Did get some stuff on sale. Got some sweet deals. Got a, a nice aluminum a rolling folding camping dining table, whatever. But anyway, ridiculous price. Got it. Awesome. Uh, but anyway, I saw these uh, bunk bed cot system. And I'd seen some other people mention about this. It's not a cheap item. And I showed it to the missus. She was like humming and hawing. She's looking at it. And it comes in very two nice attache case size bags. And it's very simple. You can either uh, set them up as individual cots. You can make kind of like a futon with it. You know, sitting up like a couch. And then you can obviously set it up as a bunk bed system. So I kind of proposed that to the missus there. And that kind of got her interest there. Because one of the things that we always get pr trouble we got is when we use an air mattress and which has happened to us is that well one well there's a puncture in the, in the air mattress or after a certain number of years it punctures uh, that happened to us our <laughs> one night we we're in Kuchibuguac and uh we did an overnight and like two in the morning we were just on sharp rocks <laughs> it was not pleasant i think we left at four in the morning or five to get to Moncton uh, which was quite a bit, a little bit of a drive, and then waited for the Canadian Tire to open at seven thirty or eight o'clock, whatever it was on the morning, get just to get another uh, air mattress. The other thing too is batteries. Right, a couple times now we've been heading out, and we either uh, forget to bring spares, which is I think C or D size, which is something that we don't have anything else in the house that takes that size of battery. Uh, we kind of forget about that or whatever, or pay very expensive amounts of money for another set of these batteries to, to pump up the air mattress. So we're thinking that could be something that would be beneficial. Uh, I'm just going to go off to Cabela's this weekend to see exactly what it looks like and, and see which version. Uh, there is a version, there's a kid's version, a regular version, in a large or extra large version. But anyway, depending on which one you get, you have this Velcro organizer clip on the side, which I saw the one uh, on Saturday at Cabela's that uh, I would have had with my standard cot. I was like, I kind of want the organizer. It's, I like it. So I can put my glasses when I go, uh, go to bed and stuff like that. So one of the things that we haven't really done here during the, the quarantine is to get into the whole bread making. And that's because here locally, there was a severe shortage of bread yeast. Because everybody was making their bread, buns, rolls, sourdough, whatever, and could not find any yeast whatsoever. Now it's not too, too bad. But now the, the moment is gone. I don't feel like making bread. But I quickly talked to Jocelyn about his experiments with sourdough bread. So, as you know, I've been making uh, sourdough bread for a while. I start, started the sourdough, uh, you know, kind of when, or my sourdough started, kind of when, when the pandemic started. And, uh, you, you know, there, there's something really cool about sourdough that 
it, it's just from the place where you started it and and it kind of perpetuates that that thing so anyways i've uh, i've gotten somewhat decent at making sourdough bread so i just made some dough now uh, about a half an hour ago and there's a process in sourdough where you need to stretch and fold the dough a few times during the bulk fermentation process because it helps kind of develop and align the gluten to make the dough a bit have more consistency. because the, the thing about sourdough is it's a really slow fermentation compared to if you do a yeast bread. And so you need to do that stretch and fold, which you don't necessarily need to do with yeast bread, right? It, it, you know, there's even all kinds of no-need breads right now and stuff like that. So, yeah, so right now all I'm doing is, you know, digging into the dough here. And I, I grab one end of it and, and just stretch it somewhat lightly until there's some resistance. Um, and you do that kind of in the four quadrants, you know. You do you do north, south, east, west stretch, if you will, and and just fold it on top of the previous layer, and and there you go. So I'm going to do that probably three times with this, and once that's done, I'm going to shape the dough so that it's in you know a kind of the shape of a, of a dough ball to, to make bread. And then it's going to go in the fridge overnight. And first thing I'll do tomorrow morning is crank up the oven. I have uh, have kind of a Dutch oven type thing that I, I cook it in or bake it in. And, uh, yeah, makes for a pretty cool bread. So this is what your third? No, I, I probably made about a dozen now. Or, or 10 or 10, 10 or really? 12. Yeah, I make it probably make it probably twice a week now ish. Um, maybe every every four days, so not quite twice a week. Because um, one thing about one thing that's cool about sourdough is that the bread stays fresh longer than a, a yeast dough as well. So so if you make homemade bread and you make a yeast dough, um, it, it you know after a couple of days it's dried up quite a bit, but but sourdough doesn't do that. The other thing is that we have a um, something that that Charlene purchased on Amazon um, to uh, store the bread in, and it's um, God. I'm I'm not sure what the fabric is, but it's it's a bag, but it's a double bag. So you have one bag inside of the other bag, and it's linen, I think, or something like that. And, and really, it's the double bag that makes the difference in keeping the, the bread really fresh. It's pretty cool. You know, unfortunately, because of the yeast shortage we've had out here, I never got around to even getting into the whole baking thing, make some bread rolls, whatever. And now that, you know, everybody's been doing it, it it's or maybe it's the lack of pictures I've been seeing on Twitter I've kind of forgotten that that was an option for me to do stuff. To oh man, the, the sourdough thing! First of all, it makes bread that's that's way more delicious, and 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 according to a lot of things I've read and on TV, that's kind of easier to digest and so on and all that. 
but it's it's kind of cool because it's, it's almost magic, right? <laughs> you know, you create your own sourdough starter out of two things, yeast and water, and then it magically starts bubbling, you know, from the stuff that's in the air. It's, 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 it's quite remarkable. I found a recipe that works very well that uses my stand mixer to do the to do the initial mix. Some people would say, "No, no, no, I got to do that by hand." Whatever. Um, what I found is it creates a absolutely phenomenal loaf of bread that um, would be equivalent to what you would get in a really, really good boulangerie or bakery. That's that's it's it's that good. So. The initial, forget about making the sourdough starter and all that, because I have that, right? So, so putting together the dough initially takes no more than 15 minutes, okay? So just mix the ingredients, let it stand a little bit, then mix it further in the stand mixer for five minutes, then dump it into a bowl, and so on. Then I'd say every 20 to 25 minutes for the... For three times, you kind of fold uh, or stretch and fold. Then, uh, then after maybe another, another hour after that, during this is the bulk fermentation stage. An hour after that, you know, an hour, two hours, whatever. It it kind of depends on the temperature, and it doesn't need to. This is not an exact science. Um, so after that, after a while. Then you kind of just shape your bread. And, and again, I, I watched a couple of YouTube videos to help me because I, I, I'm not an expert on this. So, so you know, there's a process w with which with one hand you kind of spin the dough around or turn it around and the other hand kind of tucks the dough under so that it creates a really nice, perfect round ball. And then you do a little um, a stretch pull so, so you pull it just slightly towards you, and it stretches the um, the donut. It, 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 the dude called it a tension pull. So it creates tension on the um, on the surface of the loaf, so that it kind of keeps its shape. So once you've done that, um, you can then either keep it on the counter in in a you know, the pros would use a proofing basket. I don't have one, so I have a big bowl that has a decent enough shape that it works. You could keep there, keep it there on the counter for about four hours and then you bake it. Or if you want to develop more flavor, you put it in the same bowl, but you put it in the fridge overnight. Um, and then, you know, ideally you'd have a Dutch oven, like a six quart Dutch oven. I don't have one, but I have a um, enamel, a large enamel cast iron pot that works. So you shove that into the, the oven at 450 with the, with the lid on, okay? No bread in it yet. You shove it at 450, you let the oven do its thing to 450, leave it there, you know, for another 15 minutes or so to make sure that everything is really hot in there. Then you open the oven, take the lid off, put your dough in, I, and you put it in on a, a piece of parchment paper. So it's easy to put in the, uh, in the Dutch oven. 
and, and then it, you know, it's easy to take out. Put the lid back on. Probably leave it there for about 15, 16 minutes like that with the lid off. Uh, lid on. Take the lid off about the same time, 16 to 18 minutes maybe, a little bit more with the lid off till you get it really nice and golden brown and boom, there you go. And that is it for another episode of the Avoiding Chores podcast. If you have any comments or feedback, you can go to anchor.fm slash avoiding chores and there's a nice little leave message button. Love to hear what you guys think about it. If you want to check things out on avoidingchores.com for the latest content or if you want to look at some Garmin GPS tutorials, you can always go to gps.training. Had a blast here with the Anchor app. Things are just getting easier and easier as compared to when I was hard coding XML files and doing a lot of editing. This week's episode was basically everything's done in the Anchor app using the iPad. Also use Ferrite to edit some of the audio that uh, the discussions I had with the boys. Also nice to have them in here. So I'd like to thank Jocelyn and Keith uh, to join me this week and uh, record a session. So hopefully you guys liked it. I definitely um, uh, would like to hear some feedback. Hopefully the quality is there. Hopefully the content is interesting. And we'll talk to you guys next time.